Hello, and welcome to the Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and I hope you will like, share, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, where you will find the live shows and replays. I appreciate you all so much for tuning in on this special day because we have a very extraordinary guest today. And normally, the person who I am about to introduce to you, he's on the other end of the camera, capturing pictures of some of the most iconic figures of our time. He has captured the likes of political figures, business leaders, and entertainers, including Tupac Shakur, Missy Elliott, Mary J. Blige, D'Angelo, LL Cool J, Aaliyah, Billy Joel, and Shaquille O'Neal, to name a few. Now, originally from Chicago, this award-winning photojournalist and best-selling author moved to New York City to pursue his dream and signature documentary-style photography series known as Reflections. His book highlights the personal living spaces of more than 60 renowned individuals whose lives and careers have addressed the fundamental political, economic, and social realities of our time. He has a new book out that you must get a copy of entitled The Science of Seduction. Mr. Hi. Terrence Reese, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hello, Celeste. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and I am so thrilled that you could join us today. I want to kind of get started uh, talking today and um, I know people are, are starting to join in. Um, we're doing something new today. Hello to my uh, Instagram audience. Uh, we're going live on Instagram and multiple streaming platforms today. So it's a little different, a uh, little hectic, but we are <laughs> hanging in there and um, looking forward to a wonderful discussion today with you, Terrence. Um, I wanted to really start by talking a little bit about your amazing work that you've done within your career. You've had a very strong and passionate career. And um, I want to start by asking you, you know, your passion for photojournalism, where did that all start? Um, I wanted to create things that I had seen, but they were done by me. And I wanted to create an originality in my photography. I started with a man named Tony Barboza in New York who guided me for six months. And then he told me, I've taught you everything you need to know. You can go out there and make a living now. And I thought, he sure has. And I set out to go to uh, advertising agencies, museums, music labels, and I got my first studio. And that changed everything because I had a space where people could come and gather and create images and talk about creating things. And I just happened to uh, be right next door to Jive Records. So oh, wow. <laughs> the artist just, you know, he's next door. Go, go, go take a picture. And, <laughs> wow. you know, I, I took some incredible images there of artists. And I think I spoke, when I spoke to you the last time, I told you one of the most interesting was Shaquille O'Neal, uh, a 20 minute shoot. And, you know, after three shots, he was like, that's it. You got the shot. Did you tell me that? Say, yeah. He said, well, I'm leaving. And I couldn't stand between him and the door. And my client was like, you do have the shot, don't you? It's like, of course I do. Um, but to create and continue creating things that are going to help, that are going to teach people be better each day. Right. That's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I know something like that had to be a little bit intimidating when Shaquille O'Neal, who was probably towering over you, said, <laughs> yes. you know, he had it. It's like, you're you like I it. guess I hope. I, yeah, I'm sure I do. Oh, oh. I'm sure I do. <laughs> the Polaroid is in the Polaroid. <laughs> yeah. So um, who have been, you know, outside of him, as, as iconic as he is, um, who are some of the other people that you've really enjoyed being able to have the opportunity to photograph because it has been so many, but I'm sure you have a, a billion stories there just to oh my talk about um, that. The, the stories in my book, Reflections, are reduced so they could fit in the book. And when it comes to photographing people and doing labels, I think um, one of my best covers that people would say is Midnight Marauder, a Tribe Called Quest CD. 
And I've seen that duplicated over the years and people have enjoyed putting all those faces together. And over the years, I've heard people say, well, where was I when you did that photo shoot? I should have been, a, I should have been one of the faces on that. Um, mm -hmm. And I also remember uh, Faith Evans, uh, her child walking to my studio and she was busy, my mother, she was busy. And, mm -hmm. I, and the baby was crying and I picked the baby up and all of a sudden it was like quiet. And she realized <laughs> a stranger had her child. And she's like, who oh. are you? My child just went quiet. And I was like, well, mm -hmm. I love kids. And, mm -hmm. you know, I played with the child and we enjoyed ourselves while she did her hair and makeup. And I love to create images. When my hair and makeup is done, put them on the spot. Let's make the picture. But the hair mm -hmm. was done. The hair wasn't done, but the makeup was done. And I said, you know what? YouTube beautiful. I have to capture this photograph right now. And I came in so close on her face. You didn't see any hair. And she was just like, wow, I look like a princess. I was like, Donna, <laughs> you are. It's a state of mind, you know, and right. I have to create that because these are my, my name has to go on these images. It's your face, but it's my name. Right. Um, and, and here's one that blows me away is when I photograph Gordon Parks for reflections. I showed him the Polaroid and he said, wow, this is, I'll be right back. And I asked my assistant, I said, do you see what he sees? And my assistant was like, this is your, I said, we in this together. This is Gordon Parks. And he came back and opened up a book and laid it in my shoot, my, my photograph. And he said, what do you think of that? I said, wow, that's ingenious. And 17 people have pointed and said, there's Gordon right there. I said, does that look like a mirror? And I think his foresight to think that people would be so quick to like see the first thing they see, they point at. And I tell him, I said, no, that's, that's not the photograph. He's in a mirror. He's reflected in a mirror. And people get so like, wow, where is he? Where, this is like, fine. where's Waldo? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what it's like. Um, yeah. And another one I share with you is uh, Dr. Selma Burke, who totally messed me up. She had me believe in that I had come there on the wrong day. Because my thinking was 82 years <laughs> oh, old, <no. laughs> it's nine o'clock in the morning. Where could an 82 year old woman be in nine o'clock in the morning? And she comes <laughs> driving up in a limousine. I open the door. I'm sorry, I'm late. I had to go get my driver's license renewed. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Did they make you any ID? Did they make you take a driving test? All I didn't dump for this state. I'm like, when you run over somebody, <laughs> right. I mean, it's not like she was driving. She was in the show for limousine. Mm, and she's, mm. you know, I opened the door and packed a cigarette. <laughs> hilarious. Out. Oh you my know, goodness. You know, you know, the I opened the door, pack of cigarettes fall out, and I said, Do you want me to throw those away? She's like, I just bought those. I said, they're no good for you. She said, I've been smoking since before you were born. Mm. They haven't killed me yet. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess you're right. You are right about that. So, yeah. I mean, I, there's numerous stories and, and reflections um, in um, me. This is a great story. And this has nothing to do with photography. Mm -hmm. I got most of my work because I was my own bike messenger. From, elect from Sony to Warner Brothers, all of the labels I rode around on my bike. So I had a meeting with Laverne Perry, who was major at Sony, major woman at Sony. I'm rolling on my bike, and this man hits me. I fly over the handlebars and land on my back. Within seconds, I was surrounded by other bikers. Talking about, beat, what? beat him up, man, beat him up. And I said, I don't have time. I have a meeting with a woman I'm afraid of, and I need to get there right now. But y'all can do whatever y'all want. Goodbye. You know, and <laughs> you go and meet people and time is everything. I could not mm -hmm. be late and explain to her, you know, I was hit and this, that, and the other. No, suck it up, move forward and make it happen. And people see the importance of their, your time and their time. And that's how I got most of my work.
It's so true. Have there ever been times that you uh, have, have been nervous to be around some of these people or, you know, you know, how do you handle that? Is, is that, does that still happen? If, if I'm sure, you know, it, it, it has to be a little nerve wracking sometimes when so much is, is in your hands to, you know, produce, if you will. So have you ever been well, nervous? I'll give you three. Wu-Tang. I was on the ladder. It was Wu-Tang and Wendy Williams. And, mm -hmm. you know, I clap my hands. That means everything stopped. Don't nobody move. Listen to me. Uh -huh. And don't make me come down off that ladder. Now, why did I have to say that? Because the next <laughs> words out of their mouth was, bring your, and we will. Oh, and my I goodness. started stepping down the ladder and Wendy said, <laughs> I don't have time for you all to beat him. We need to take this picture. Mm -hmm. And I said, Jesus, I don't want to come no more down the ladder anyway. And after that, <laughs> you know, after the photo shoot, they were like, man, you got a lot of heart because we could have, but we got respect that you tried to get us right because you were right and we were wrong. And that's how it is all the time. Um, my first shoot uh, with Notorious Big, that's when he was Biggie. Um, I took him down in the streets and I said, I want you to sit right there. And he says, Tar, do you want me to sit there? And I said, yeah, man, just sit right there. That's, that's your image sitting right there. He mm. pulled two nines out of his back pocket, sat him down. And I thought to myself, did I just make a mistake? Did I just really make a mistake? He has two nine millimeters sitting and he just sat down. And this woman walks up, takes her baby out the bassinet and asks him to sign the bassinet. Mm. And I'm thinking, does she not see those two nine millimeters sitting there? And, I, and he said, he, he stood up and he said, has anybody got a marker? And I was like, that's exactly how he was supposed to respond. No other way, help give her what she wants. And that was it. Um, on the other side, when I photographed Tupac, it was easy. It was, I photographed him for Carl Kanai. We were shooting, uh, I was photographing shoes. And I told him, I said, I just need your shoe and your partner's shoe to stay right there. I don't care what you all do, but it would be best if y'all shoot dice and gamble right here in the street. And they were like, we got money. Anybody got dice? We're right <laughs> they were ready to go, huh? <laughs> it was ready. Went right in the bodega, got dice. And that was my photograph. Shoes had not moved and they just shooting dice. You know, the downside to that photograph is all of them are dead. And wow. that just... You know, that, that was like, it was five guys. You know, how do mm -hmm. five young men just dead? And, mm -hmm. you know, that- That's crazy, isn't it? Wow, that to is think crazy. about that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, when something like that happens, what do you take from that? What do you learn? And that was something that motivated me to push and do reflections, to create it and have it available for people to learn about their history. If you're going to rap about something, rap about what's yours, your history, Dr. Selma Burke, Gordon Parks, great people, you know, that we uh, grew up learning about our Black history. And the kids don't know about it anymore. And that's right. more important now than ever that you embrace your own history so you can talk about it. So you can have a discussion about who you are, where you came from, and how you came to be. Yeah. Right. We're going to take a quick break, hold that thought. We're going to, you know, take this break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about your work as not only a, an award-winning photojournalist, but an author. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about your new book, uh, The Science of Seduction. So we'll take this break and we'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> 
A lot of things have come to a screeching halt due to COVID-19, but you should know that the court system in Tennessee is still open and holding in-person hearings for orders of protection and other types of abuse cases. If you have a hearing date, double-check on where your hearing will be held. If you need assistance on an order of protection or temporary restraining order, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443 or visit our website at www.las.org. And we're back. We're back here live talking to Terrence Reese, the award-winning photojournalist and author. And I said just a moment ago, I'd love to get into your new book, The Science of Seduction. So starting, I want to ask you, why did you think this was a topic that needed to be addressed at this particular point in time? Uh, I started the book a little more than six years ago. Uh, but I came up with the idea maybe 10 years ago. And in conversations with other women, it's just things that need to be talked about without people getting upset. And I decided to come from the view of a child, a young woman who was exposed to the world around her and no one paid her any attention. Then I thought about a person's environment, you are a reflection of your environment. What environment would you put someone like that in so she could see and be exposed to those things? And then I thought, parents separated. She doesn't get along with her mother. She wants to live with her father. Okay, we start there. Okay, her father runs an international escorting service. Okay, now I would take, if this was my daughter or any other man's daughter, take her to work, sit down, don't move, do your homework, stay busy, but don't leave that chair unless you tell my assistant. Okay, a man can live with that. What he doesn't understand is that her sitting there, the world is going past her and she becomes curious. So after seven years of traveling the world with her father, She's accumulated more than 200 notebooks of things she has observed and witnessed as a child because no one's paying her any attention. You just, whatever, you just sit over there and but she's observing all these, the relationships between men and women. And now she's 16 and she employs her cousin, who's another person that pays her no attention, to edit some of the things that she's done because some of the things she has no clue about. And once her cousin edits it, she has 35 chapters, a book that's 300 pages called The Black Book, where this book is to teach boys how to cater to the needs, wants, and the desires of women. That is what was needed. And that is what's needed in our society because mm -hmm. I remember doing, uh, as a child, sex education, but I don't remember anything that was taught. Um, you have to teach. And with the information that Lena has gathered, the lead actress, she wants someone to teach that information to. So her father, with her mother, finds a young man who lives in the East Village of New York, who is nickel slick and sharp as a tack and thinks he is going to rule the world from his spot there. He is kidnapped by Lena's father and his whole life is exposed to him. And he sees, because they have photographed him and you know recorded him doing bad things. And he sees where if he keeps doing these things, he will end up in prison. There is no other way, no other place he can go. So Gaspar, Lena's father, suggests to him, you can come and stay with me or you can go back to where you were. And he chooses Gaspar and he ends up becoming the number one escort in the corporation. And of course, hmm. He falls in love with the woman who created him. But from her point of view, at 19, 
Men are weak. She has never met a man that couldn't be manipulated. And she wants to find a man that she thinks is not weak, that is mentally strong, physically, and emotionally. And she ends up, of course, falling in love with the man she created because he proves it's not physical, it's mental. He proves that he can captivate her and he create memories in her and capture her attention to where she has no choice but to fall for him because she created him. He's mm-hmm. everything that she would want in a man. Mm-hmm. And this, this mental uh, idea of, of things being mental when it comes to relationships, why do you think it is so difficult for people to be able to explain their wants and needs and, and desires to their partner? Um, you can't do what you haven't been taught. And different people act in different ways. As I said earlier, you are a reflection of your environment. If I grew up uh, on Fifth Avenue, Beverly Hills, I have a whole lot of different opportunities that I'm not getting at Compton or on the south side of Chicago. And these people create opportunities that some might not have. And Brandon was put into a situation to where he had the opportunities to make a difference. And he was a, he, even he was not able to express himself. So when two people get together, I love you. I love you does not mean we can communicate. I love you does not mean that I'm not going to say something that might hurt you. But I love you means I love you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to explain this doesn't work. Can't we try this? And there's a problem with that in society because communication, people might want to be right. But even Mm -hmm. when you write, sometimes you will lose because you didn't take that other person into consideration. And that's what I deal with in my book. It's like, you have to take everybody in consideration. Um, The person I might give a dollar to down the street, that may change his whole life. And all of a sudden, what I gave him affects everybody in the neighborhood. One thing changes, it's a domino effect. And we all survive or we all fall with it because that person that got upset because of that conversation, now that person's stepping out in the world. Mm-hmm. He, she may That's be upset about profound. something that has nothing to do with other people, but because they were upset in that relationship, now everything they do affects everyone around them. But you come from the point to where Brandon knows and Gaspar, he gets into a confrontation with Gaspar. And it's like, Gaspar is 60 something. Brandon is a kid in his teens. Gaspar spends about 20, 10 minutes throwing him around on a mat as Brandon tries to fight and beat him because Brandon has said, This is what he deserves. He needs a good thrashing because he's been treating me wrong and disrespecting me. And Gaspar doesn't hurt him. He blocks his punches. He throws them around and he teaches him that this is not the best way to communicate your needs because the problem is going to still be there when you get up, when you stop arguing and stop being upset, the problem will still be there. That's so true. So true. You know what? Um, I'm going to have you pause for just a minute. I'm noticing we have several callers that are calling in that I guess might want to ask you a few questions. So um, I have uh, uh, Vincent and Lori on the line. I'm going to let them know we are going to come to you. So if you wouldn't mind standing by, I'm going to let you finish your your thought and then we're going to maybe take a few questions from our from our audience okay it's um i learned what i learned uh who i i'm a reflection of a woman everything i've done in my life is because of women um 
I had a confrontation about maybe two months ago with a woman in the bar. And she says, what gives you the right to think you can write a book like this? I said, <laughs> I've had associations with more than a thousand women. I give all the little old ladies in church hugs and kisses. And I'm a reincarnated woman. She was like, go on <laughs> with your bad self. Oh my God, you definitely can write this. That book is going to be a part of my book club. And I was oh, like, wow. I hope you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is that is it, awesome. I see um, now we're getting comments as well. So this is exciting. We'll we'll see if we can uh, get them uh, to pull up uh, the first caller on the line. Um, Vincent, are you there? I'm here. Hi there. Oh. Do you have a question oh. for our our hey. speaker, Terrence, today? <laughs> hey, Terrence. Good morning, man. How are you? Good morning, Vincent. Um, well, first of all, I want to get my royalties off of basing that book on me. But, uh... <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> this is being recorded. I'm in Well, you know I'm joking, man. Uh, me and Terrence go way back. Uh, I worked with him off and on in New York. He used to be a photographer for an agency that I worked at, did a lot of my projects, but as the years have gone by, you know, we've gone close and we shared a lot of our inspirations and stuff and our creativeness. But um, my question to him in watching him transition from being a photographer who spends his time trying to bring things out of other people to being a writer, which is completely opposite. Now he's expressing more of himself to people. What did he learn or what did he bring from being a photographer to being a writer that he thinks benefits him or maybe what he didn't bring that he didn't think would benefit great question (laughs) that's not the question i sent him celeste that is not the question i sent him (laughs) he made (laughs) i told you celeste i told you he's the one he's the one um it's, I'm going to put it's amazing, class, Vincent. I would not <laughs> be able to have written this book without uh, photography because I wouldn't have had that opportunity to meet a lot of those people, uh, to go to those environments and be like, wow, who's living like this? I never, there's an elevator over there. You know, unless you expose the things, you just assume that, Everybody's living just like you. Uh, but when I got the opportunity to create images for reflections, it just, it opened me up to all kinds of, you know, because I, I love my elders. So to sit down and let them reminisce about stories uh, and tell me so that I could pass them on, um, especially like the Nicholas brothers. When I photographed the Nicholas brothers, it was Fayard wouldn't stop talking. And I wanted to talk about Dorothy Dandridge. And he was like, we don't talk about her. And Harold hadn't said a word until he understood what I was doing. And then he dressed the set I was gonna photograph. And it changed everything. It, the, the little details, the, the tap shoes, the mandolin, they represented who they were. And then it made me see, wow, this is a representation of my history. I can't tap dance like them, but I can carry on this moment with them and tell people in my book, they are the greatest dancers of all time. And to have that opportunity to express, not do photography, but carry on in writing, it changed my whole life. Uh, Because every time I did a reflections image, you know, I'm so excited to tell somebody. And I remember I was telling a friend of mine and she was like, well, the pictures need text. And I was like, I got that covered. You know, I got a writer going, he's going to come in. And, you know, the worst thing in the world became the internet. And then it became where you could Google the people I had photographed and find out everything about them. But you couldn't right. Google the day I spent with them. And after that, I, I started writing, taking notes to expand 
on the photography so people could understand the emotion that was in it. And it takes a it takes a a whole lot. Like like Vincent said, you're basically dealing with a stranger walks into your studio, but you have to capture a picture that represents them, their whole being. And you know, I tell this story a lot, which Vincent doesn't know. I did a, a photo shoot with him and the client, you know, Vincent is, you know, he's not a bad looking man. You know, he'll do in a rush, you know, he, you know, something <laughs> like that. But the, the client did not like the model. Mm. And the client said, you know, why don't you stand in? And I was like, who? Who are you pointing at? And, you know, it was Vincent the art director i'm like this is his layout he would know all about it and he became the model that day and it was a beautiful photograph because he understood oh, we connected and, and and we and as he said we've connected every sense and he understands it's the little details that, that create the photography that make the conversation that make people want to turn the page to see what's gonna happen next Wonderful. Thank you, Vincent, that, for man. calling in. Thank we you. appreciate you. Right, we have another we Thank have you. another caller uh, on standby on the line. Um, is Lori still there? Lori, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Hi, oh. thanks for thanks for joining us. Can you I hear me? Hi, so Lori. Looking forward to this. Hello, uh -oh. Karen. Hello, Lori. <laughs> Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh oh, we got problems. No. Oh God. <laughs> hey, hey, when the ex-wife calls you, you know you got problems. Oh God. <laughs> you are such a cut up, man. I do my best to go easy on you. Okay. So there was a couple of, of things you brought up um, as far as the so-called umbrella of relationships and how um, men should treat women and, and in a sense, how women should treat men. So I, I myself, I'm old fashioned. So um, I think social media has its purpose, but it's also um, a disconnect because being the old fashioned person that I am, you know, I believe in the power of conversation and communicating to people and telling people what you want or need or you like or you don't like. Mm. So with your yeah. book um, being used as a kind of tool or guidance um, under that umbrella of relationships, where, if at all, does like social media fit into the the relationship realm because you know I remember reading somewhere where they said there's no social in social media so that's, <laughs> oh, that's good platform. well it's the truth I mean it's a big no platform socializing. and you know nothing against the younger generation but I myself have been and worked with um youth and young adults and one thing I noticed um from afar is they don't seem to know how to communicate, you know, unless they're writing or posting something on social media. And to me, that is not getting their point across. So I guess my question would be, in this tool, this book that you've written, what would you say to these social media user because the art of conversation is kind of a lost art. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. And also Terrence uh, and Lori, uh, people don't tend to have those really solid oral communication skills. That's something I learned um, in, in my teaching at uh, several universities that 
you know, mm-hmm. often the students are looking down at their phones and, and they, they've lost exactly. that connection, you know, like of what it means, even, you know, nonverbal communication when you're looking at someone, you know, your eyes can be saying something that your mouth isn't, right? And so um, exactly. they're not even aware of that, you know, but do you address that in your book? Yes. Oh, yes. Because it's the parents that have to deal with the child. And in my book, Lena's parents pay her no attention until they realize the gift she has. Then is, how did you find that out? What did you learn that? What, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a bicker back and forth, but it's, wow, this is the young woman I've always wanted you to be. And I'm sorry I was not there for you. How can we how can we move forward and you learn the things that I didn't share with you? You know, how can we communicate better? And if you don't learn it at home, you're not going to learn it. You're going to learn what you see. If you only see your parents cussing in person during a a conversation, I'm pretty sure that's what you're going to do. Any anything you see your parents do, you will assume that this is how things are. And I had a friend of mine, a a good friend of mine in college, and he blew me away. He said, I thought you were like what my parents described. And when I met you, you weren't. He said, every time somebody looked like you came on my television, it was changed. And I thought, wow. And me and him became best buddies because of our differences and what we learned from one another. And if you don't learn anything from a person, if they don't grab you mentally immediately in social media, it's so much out there that can grab your attention that you won't come back to, to listen to what they say. And, mm. and that is what I try to deal with. Um, like Celeste, there are 10 questions that you ask yourself as you read my book. And this is what you have to deal with. You know, are you happy? Do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? It's just a, a list of, of um, do yes. you know how to explain your needs, wants, desires to your partner? Do you enjoy yeah. the power of being touched? Who taught you to be a good lover? Does mm-hmm. your partner satisfy you? Do you have good oral skills? When was the last time someone made love to you? Do you know how to have a conversation about sensuality without getting upset? Are you a good lover? Do mm-hmm. you have the mental and physical abilities to keep your relationship strong? And the right. last one is, are you happy? Right. Oh, I, I really want to delve into some of that. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And I also, we have one more caller. I think we actually have a couple, but I'm going to take one more. Um, (laughs) When we get back, um, we have uh, another caller on the line waiting uh, from Philadelphia. So um, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back in just a moment. When it comes to relationships, there are some obvious signs you can use to spot someone who might be abusive. First, they have a tendency to want to rush into a relationship. They may also show signs of jealousy and mistrust, and you could find they expect you to be perfect and will try to cut you off from other important relationships. They could also be abusive towards animals and children. To learn more about the signs of dangerous individuals and how you can identify and avoid unhealthy relationships, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443. And welcome back to the Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and we are here with Terrence Reese, the award-winning photojournalist and best-selling author. And we're talking right now about his book, The Science of Seduction. Um, Terrence, um, lots of good questions um, from our audience um, and and feedback, and we're going to get into some of those questions you just talked about that are are addressed in the book in just a moment. As I mentioned, we did have another caller on the line, um, on line three. Can we open up that? Steve, are you there? (laughs) 
<laughs> Celeste, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I am fabulous. And Terrence? I, I'm wonderful and blessed to hear your voice. How are you doing today? I am fabulous, young man. Question <laughs> for you. Knowing you for some years, uh, you've been working on this, your project for over 30 since uh, college and there before. What do you feel you are leaving as your legacy? What would people know you for? Um, I tried to make a difference. Every day I tried to be better than the day before. I tried in the last 15 years, 16 years, I've posted on Facebook every day to try to create conversation, to push people to think. Um, and then in creating reflections, it changed everything. It changed the dynamics of my life. And, you know, I tell people if I, if I pass tomorrow, reflections is everything to me. It, it will live on way past me and everything that I've done. So now it's addition to the science of seduction, which is a book to teach people how to be better in their relationships. And, you know, I could almost say this was the scariest day of my life is when I sent the novel to an editor and two days later, she called me back and said, have you started part two yet? And I, oh, listen, we didn't, what about one? Let's start with one first. <laughs> and she was like, well, my proofreader said, this has never been done before. This is an incredible work of art and you need to start part two now. And as Stephen knows, I have sacrificed a lot to be where I am. Uh, I'm definitely not a starving artist. I'm you know, not going to say that, but I made choices to teach as opposed to doing a lot of other things um, that other people may have. Like I had a 71 Carmen Gear convertible in college. If I still had that car, I'd be fine. It's not, I'm not about luxury. I'm, I'm a simple man. And every day I must do something to be helpful. Uh, even if it's giving a stranger a pound and saying, what you did was amazing. I saw you do it. I know you didn't do it for any recognition, but I just want you to know I saw it. And if I ever need to do that, I will do it just like you did. Uh, and it's about an ongoing teaching and elevating people. And that will be my legacy. Wonderful. Excellent answer. Um, and, and that work of art, you know, I know you, you've won all kinds of awards for the work that you've done there. And it's, it's just a phenomenal work of art. It's your pieces have been on display around the world and you're just, uh, you know, really um, amazing, you know, so <laughs> Thank you for being I'm just you. Miss Reese's son. That's me. I'm just Miss Reese's son. You know, you have to remember where you come from, and that way you can go someplace. You know. Yeah. I'm a, simple. Yeah, I wanted to um, get back on the topic of good communication skills. You know, sometimes even if you have good communication skills, it can certainly be difficult for one to express themselves. However, um, you know, sometimes I think people might fear um, how the other person might react when maybe they learn something like they're not satisfying the other person. So how can couples approach the subject in a non-threatening or non-judgmental kind of way? <laughs> I, it's almost like I knew you were going to ask me that question. And... <laughs> I, uh -oh. you know, it's been a week of, you know, putting together what I thought you were going to ask me and getting answers for it. Mm -hmm. So speaking to, you know, quite a few women and, you know, I remember just one woman, her answers to what you said was, let's get into bed. Let's, let's get into bed and we will lay next to each other and we will talk because looking at me, 
you are not going to get upset. And you, we are going to talk and work out this problem. And, you know, as I touch you, you are going to understand how important I am and how you should relax your conversation because how you interpret words, I may not interpret them the same way because we don't have the same background. So we're going to take it easy. We're going to whisper in each other's ear. We're going to relax. We're not going to get loud. And we're going to make it very easy because the bottom line, I love you. You love me. And we just need to get past this. And we need to understand it's not as big as we want to make it. It's as big as we want to make it, period. Right. That's it. Well, but what happens if the other person just is not a talker? They don't want to talk. They don't want to talk about how they feel. You know, what What can someone do in a in a scenario uh, like that? Well, that, that is interesting. Uh, that's an interesting <laughs> question. And a non-talker is <laughs> a person, you know, that you can uh, flourish with your actions. They will eat, they will uh, react to your actions. You hug them, you send them a text that says this. You, you do, it's the little things that you do to create conversation in them or just thought. And that's where it becomes something mental, where it challenges you to help get them over any obstacles that they may have to talk to you. And it works mm -hmm. the same way in saying, I love you. You're going to talk to me because you know I'm not going to hurt you. And did you ask me to marry you? Or I did say I was going to marry you. So mm -hmm. I clearly want to be with you for the rest of my life. And <laughs> it's, it's a step-by-step -step process of confidence and trust and people understanding that I don't know what happened to you last week, a month ago, but that has nothing to do with me. And I am just trying to tell you and show you how much I care because I don't want to lose you. Right. And, well, it sounds you know, like, too, part of what you're talking about there is kind of uh, I know I've read a book on learning people's love languages. And a lot of times people mm -hmm. don't know, you know, different people based on your upbringing and how you're taught may mm -hmm. show or express themselves differently. Some people are, you know, huggers or, you know, the type of people that, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they love gifts, uh, you know, they, they like different things that express that love. Um, so I think uh, it's important to recognize, you know, everybody's different and, and no two yeah. people are yeah. the same. And so just because no you're married, people. Or you get together with someone doesn't mean all these things that you come into the relationship with automatically just disappear, right? <laughs> you know, those exactly. are things that exactly. <laughs> you have to work through, right? <laughs> you, have to, you have to work through it. You have to, the, the person is going to say, you know, your last relationship, this is how you dealt with it. And this is how I will deal with it. I'm different than that person. I don't, you know, that was a horrible thing that happened to you. That's not me. I couldn't even think of doing those kind of things to you. And if I even come close to that, don't shut down because I'm going to put my arms around you and let right. you know this is temporary and we can <laughs> move forward from this. It's, yeah. it's, 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 e it's so easy th through the power of touch, understanding, caring, sharing. And tr I mean, it is like people create so many problems because they haven't been taught how to deal with this obstacle. And what you haven't been taught to deal with, it, it creates a problem in a relationship because I'm expecting A, B, and C, but he's talking right. about one, two, and three. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, you know, you like uh, sometimes in, in say an abusive relationship, you know, where, you know, if that dog is bitchy once or twice, you know, you might've been friendly the first time <laughs> trying to feed the dog, but the next time you're like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> you yeah. know, that dog bit um, me. So I, you know, right. I'm going to stay away from that dog, you know. So you have exactly. to, you know, realize, you know, limitations, boundaries, things like that, you know, really important, you know, when it comes to, you know, being happy, realizing who you are, 
what you like, mm-hmm. what you want, what you don't want, you know, that's, that's right. what it's all about. And then, um, you know, we talked, uh, also we touched on, uh, before the break, uh, about, you know, being happy. And I wanted to, to, uh, bring up something, you know, when it comes to marriage, um, uh, because when you talk about marriage in a relationship, um, I thought it was more really about, about self-sacrifice if you look at it more from a spiritual point of view. Sometimes people are often today kind of looking for what is, what is in it for me? What can I get out of this instead of the other way around? Like, what am I here bringing to the table? Because some people want the, that, that person that's doing well and has the nice car and has all the money in the bank. But, you know, I have to turn around and say, what do you bring to the table, right? What do you, uh, what do you bring it to the table? Exactly. And, yeah. and I, I touch on that all the time. I try to explain to people, what is your value? What is your worth? What do you bring to the table? What is going to make someone want to spend time with you? What is someone going to say, I have a memory of that person. I just, every time I wake up, I think of that person. I just, I can have, I can talk to her all day long and it just never ends. Mm-hmm. When I... She, when I first met her, we didn't even know each other. I just walked up and took her in my arms and just told her, based on our conversations, I never want to be without you. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's hard for somebody to say when they've never expressed that before. They only see it in the movies or, you know, this, that, and the other. And they need to see it. They need to experience it, to, to see what it feels like. You know, you work hard all day. Live. Live. Mm-hmm. Don't let you know, someone dictate to you how you got to look, what you got to do, anything. Just live. Take care of your right. body. Yeah. Mind these are soul. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and these are things that might impede one's happiness, you know, if you let yeah. other people kind of tell you who or what you should be. You have to figure exactly. out who you are, obviously. And then, yep. um, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to determining, hey, am I happy? What questions do you think people should actually be asking themselves in terms of what they want for that goal of happiness? Make a list of the things you want, need, and desire. Make another list of the things you won't tolerate. And you compare those lists. And in talking to a person, you ask yourself, is this person worth 70%? or 30% of my time? Hmm. What am I willing to do? Because I enjoy the power of touch, but what am I willing to sacrifice or give up? And like, and you know, like you said, a relationship is a give and take. You can't have everything your way all the time. You have to be considerate to the other person. And um, for me, I need two things. I need great conversation and good companionship and you know just the feel and touch of another person and that's it everything else i'll do whatever you ask me because i've told people the word i would use the most is okay no problem i no problem um you touched on uh, i wanted to say we're actually this this has been such a wonderful conversation, but we're almost out of time. And before we go, I wanted to see if I could get you to tell people where they can go to get a copy of your book. What uh, what is the website they can they can hit there? Uh, you can go on Amazon and get uh, Science of Seduction on a Kindle. Uh, the marketing team suggested I follow the same campaign as Fifty Shades of Grey. Just do it on online first and then do books i am happy to announce that we reached the point where they think oh you've been successful you can do a book so as of tomorrow the book will be available well what's the next week the book will be available they're checking it so hallelujah i can't believe it yeah that's that's awesome (laughs) yes they believed in me they they believed i could (laughs) And they I, should I because you you, ha- you you have some wonderful content. Uh, I'm just so impressed by you, and I I hope that everyone does go out there and and gets a copy of this because it will hope hopefully take us all a step forward in getting to uh, that happiness that we all so desperately seek. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure learning and hearing about all the things you have going on in your world. And I thank you so much for being on the show today. I'll be back in two weeks with more news you can use. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you.